One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And Sadie and I are very sweepy today, but I think we just got each other angry. And so angry <laughs> counteracts sleepy, so you're in good hands. Yeah, not angry at each other, just angry no, at the no, world. No. Yeah. What do you, how about me tell you about this thing that I fought about yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you about this thing I fought. Yeah. So our motto this week is stay mad. Do it. If you feel mad, mad, feel it. Get it. Lean into it. Yeah. So that's the big advice for today. Uh, you are in good hands because we are angry. We'll try to keep that to a dull roar and not just blow your ears out with angry opinions <laughs> about whatever Sadie's about to tell us about. And what is that thing? Well, Sadie? before we get started, I want to tell you all we got help. Yeah. And well, we didn't even get we did not get help. True. Help got us. We got a, I got a message from a listener who said, I want to write for you. And it included a video in the style of 90s sitcom openings introducing <laughs> herself to us with a writing sample and a resume, which kicks our resumes' asses. So hard. And we were like, yes, yeah, we would love for you to write for us. So, yes. So, this is the first story that our dear Deli Mazingo has written for us. I'm also and furious at Deli Mazingo for not submitting her own name to name time. I know. So that's, that's the only the, bone I have to the best. Deli. Yeah. So I we plan to have Deli as part of our team. We're very excited very. to have her help and her smart, smart brain. And she came up with this very frustrating story. Thanks for nothing, Deli. Strike uh -huh. two, Deli. <laughs> So you guys can yell at her for this. This is the life and death of Lori Erica Ruff. Oof. To best understand Lori's life, we need to start this story in the year 2003 with the man who would later become Lori's husband. I already don't like him. <laughs> no, we can like him. He's fine. Okay. I love this guy. <laughs> Blake Ruff was a member of the Northwest Bible Church in Dallas, Texas, where he met Lori Erica Kennedy. She had just moved to town from Arizona, which was probably obvious to any lifelong Texan. She was a vegetarian, dressed conservatively, and enjoyed going out for tea. 
kind of surprised she didn't get kicked straight on out of Texas. I was going to say, that sounds very anti counter to Texas. Mm-hmm. She was quiet and kept to herself, and she liked that Blake did too. Blake was a simple person, someone who was agreeable and honest, but lacked self-reflection and curiosity. Mm. Blake's brother-in-law told the Seattle Times in 2013 that Blake was the type of person who took everything you said at face value. And according to Blake's brother-in-law, he often followed in his twin brother's footsteps, even going so far as to buy the exact same car. Oh, man. When Blake's twin brother met a woman in Bible study and later proposed to her, the family wasn't surprised. When Blake soon met Lori at church and did the same. Blake's family made multiple attempts to get to know Lori. But according to Blake's mom, Nancy, Lori was hard to connect with. She sidestepped questions about her family and upbringing, which was off-putting to Nancy. After all, she had raised her boys in a warm, close-knit Texas family. She was skeptical of the partner her son had chosen, a distant private person. Oh, yeah, that's never going to fly in Texas. With a, I have a Texas mother-in-law, Texan mother-in-law. No, uh, absolutely not. Mm-mm. If no. you don't want to gossip about yourself and others, you can just get right on out of my house. Yep. Says my mother-in-law. And yeah. I happily oblige. I'm like Granny, which is her na- nickname. Get Bust out the Kim Crawford, honey, because I got some shit to dish. Mm-hmm. And we do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm her favorite as a result. Right. Exactly. Yes. So Blake, on the other hand, wasn't concerned about this. He knew that Lori had had a bad childhood and didn't like to talk about it. Lori was an only child who had lost both of her parents and didn't have many close friends. She'd made an effort to distance herself from her upbringing and rewrite her own story, so much so that she destroyed all of her family photos. Blake understood and respected her privacy. During their brief engagement, Blake and Lori decided to forego the traditional wedding, and less than a year after meeting, they eloped in a small church near Dallas. They bought a house and relocated outside of Leonard, Texas, The pair wanted to have kids, and because Lori was already in her 30s, she was anxious to try for a child sooner than later. She had watched her family dwindle down until it was just her, and she was worried she would miss her chance to create a family of her own. Her fear wasn't unfounded. A couple would struggle to get pregnant. Desperate, they turned to in vitro fertilization and eventually conceived. Lori gave birth to a baby girl in 2008, and issues arose for Blake and Lori soon after. Lori became extremely protective over their daughter, When Blake's mom would visit, Lori wouldn't leave Nancy alone with their daughter. Ooh, boy. She refused to let Nancy babysit. Nancy told the Seattle Times that this was unbelievable, saying, quote, This is grandbaby number nine. We're all baby people. What had begun as suspicion of distrust soon turned into mounting tension. Mm -hmm. When the family would visit, Lori didn't care to socialize with them. On more than one occasion, they found that Lori had snuck away to take a nap. For Blake, this behavior didn't exactly raise alarm bells. He knew that she was neurodivergent in some form, taking medication for either ADHD or Tourette syndrome, mm. but he couldn't remember which. God, isn't that a Texan thing too? Like, I don't know, she's got some, but whatever. <laughs> it's not the same. Thing. I couldn't be bothered to find out. <laughs> Can't remember. Not my very, problem. <laughs> I, yeah, right. very Southern Texan, mm-hmm. mid- Midwestern. Yep. Trying to make sense of the situation, Blake wondered how Lori could be comfortable around his family when she probably wasn't even comfortable with herself sometimes. But as tensions continued to grow between Lori and Blake's family, Blake found it unbearable. Lori constantly complained about his family, and by the summer of 2010, she told Blake that she didn't want their daughter to be around them anymore. Oh, wow. 
For Blake, who was very close with his family, this was the last straw. They separated, and Blake moved back in with his parents. This is the point at which Lori became unhinged. She stopped taking care of the house, leaving laundry and dishes to pile up. She scribbled notes down frantically all over her important documents. A neighbor and local pastor, Denny Garina, said both Lori and her daughter looked gaunt. Quote, she was frantic about to the point of incoherence, he said. From that point on, I never saw her focus again. Denny suggested Lori come to counseling at the church, and she agreed. During their sessions, she talked about, quote, what was wrong with her and how she could get him back, he said. Blake started attending counseling at church, too, but it seemed like the two couldn't repair their marriage. Soon after, Blake filed for divorce. Mm. How old is the baby at this point? Is she just severely postpartum, do we think? Mm. So the baby was born in 2008, and this was a few months after, maybe a year after. Yeah, so she's probably pretty postpartum. Yeah. And by pretty, I mean, yes, very. Yes, probably. Doesn't <laughs> she help already anything. has an yes. issue of some sort mm-hmm. that is undetermined because the husband can't remember. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Though Blake had attempted to de-escalate the situation with Lori, he had no idea that things were about to get much worse. No, no, no. Lori began sending threatening emails to the roughs, although the specifics of these threats haven't been publicized. Custody exchanges soon became difficult, with Lori causing a scene during the scheduled meetings. And if that wasn't enough, the roughs noticed a few months later that one of their house keys was missing. Oh, God. The roughs were so concerned that they asked a judge to order Lori to cease and desist, but in the end, it wouldn't matter. On Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2010, Lori Erica Ruff was found dead in her Mm. in-law's driveway. (gasps) Oh, no. She had driven over a hundred miles to their home, left her car idling at the end of the driveway, and shot herself. (gasps) Near her body, they found a suicide letter addressed to, quote, my wonderful husband, and his letter for their daughter with instructions to open on her 18th birthday. Lori's death was not a mystery. This was an obvious suicide. And yet, this case is a whodunit. Blake's family would soon find that they were right about Lori all along. She was hiding something. Hmm. Lori was laid to rest on Monday, January 3rd, 2011, at the First Christian Church with her neighbor, Pastor Denny Garina, officiating. After the funeral, a few of Blake's family members made the drive to Leonard to find whatever Lori had been hiding from them. Blake had told his family that there were areas of the house that were off limits to him, including a lockbox hidden in a closet labeled, quote, crafts. Mm-hmm. When his family located it in the home, Blake's brother-in-law broke it open with a flathead screwdriver. Inside the lockbox was a court document from 1988 showing that she had changed her name, letters of reference from an employer, and a piece of paper on which she had scribbled, quote, North Hollywood Police, 402 months, uh-huh. and Ben Perkins' attorney. The family learned from the court document that before she was Lori, she was Becky Sue Turner. What? The family was thrilled to finally have an answer, but when the roughs reached out to a private investigator and asked him to look into her background, they learned that Becky Sue Turner was long dead. <gasps> what is happening, Lori? What are you, what is no. happening? The real Becky Sue Turner was just two years old in 1971 when she died in a house fire in Fife, Washington. Completely blindsided by this information, the roughs knew they needed help to learn who Lori really was. Holy shit. 
they reached out to a family friend who just so happened to be a congressman and served on the House Intelligence Committee. <laughs> no big whoop. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, Dave. I got a, a favor to ask. I've got a mystery needs to be solved. Help. Could you please set aside the uh, <laughs> House committees that you're working on? I know. To not only have a friend who's in the House Intelligence Committee, but then to know them well enough that you can ask a favor. And and then they're like, yeah, I'll help you. It me, I mean, yeah, yeah. Listen, they, I don't want to be associated with politicians for various reasons, but I would also really love to have politicians in the family or something. You know, like there's just certain things that I don't right. really want, but in my fantasy, where you can be uh, like tough and connected without that being completely immoral. Yes. Mm-hmm. Will I do it? No. Would I like to? Yes. Mm-hmm. So they compiled Lori's lockbox items and other information the family had found and put it in a three-ring binder, which was ultimately handed off to Joe Velling, an investigator at the Social Security Administration. Joe was an expert in identity theft, taking on cases involving million-dollar fraud schemes. In the year before taking on Lori's case, he received the Office of Inspector General Award of Valor, one of the most prestigious recognitions that can be granted by the Department of the Interior for career accomplishments. Well, well, well. Thinking back on his reaction to receiving the binder in September of 2011, he told the Seattle Times, quote, my immediate reaction was, I'll crack this pretty quickly. Looking through the documents, it was clear that Lori didn't have a financial motive, but she clearly had a reason for taking on a new identity. So he wondered if she was running away from the police after committing a horrible crime, or maybe she was a victim of a crime. Or maybe she was a spy for a foreign government. Yeah, go that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe she was fleeing an abusive relationship or a cult. What he knew for sure, though, was that Lori had gone to great lengths to plan this out and assume her new identity. Working backwards, Velling found that Lori had first requested a copy of Becky Sue's birth certificate. Back then, pretty much anyone could get a birth certificate upon request. So in 1988, Lori got an Idaho ID in Becky Sue's name, claiming she was 18 years old. This led him to hypothesize that she was originally from the Northwest. After getting the ID, she went to Dallas and changed her name legally from Becky Sue Turner to Lori Erica Kennedy. Next, she got a valid social security number under the name Lori Erica Kennedy. While most U.S. citizens get their social security numbers at birth today, you could get your social security number as a teen back then. She was a Jane Doe who became Becky Sue Turner and then became Lori Kennedy, all in less than two months. Whoa. From there, she got her GED and attended the University of Texas in Arlington. Oh, I cannot wait to find out what is going on. I love a mystery. I know. Well, and also, why wasn't everybody just changing their identity? Lori made it look so attainable, so easy. Just any, like, who do you want to be today? Don't even get me started on how easy it would have been to commit crimes back then. Like, give right? me a break. Anybody who got caught, I am sorry. You did something wrong. Well, this was the late yeah. 80s. It wasn't yeah. the 60s or 70s. No, anything pre-internet, pre-CCTV, pre-DNA. Mm-hmm. Free for all. <laughs> the golden era. So Valine tracked down a few friends and colleagues who knew Lori in college, but none of them knew anything about Lori's life before 1988. Velling considered the possibility that Lori somehow knew Becky Sue Turner or her family. Hmm. After all, she'd taken on Becky Sue's identity before the Internet existed. 
If her goal was to take on someone's identity who was similar age to her, it'd be pretty hard for her to find a random obituary or a random tombstone that aligned perfectly with what she needed. Mm -hmm. So he set out to visit Becky Sue's parents. They had survived the fire back in 1971, but when Velling showed them a photo of 18-year-old Lori, neither parent recognized her. This trail was a dead end. Velling returned to the binder with her reference letters and scribbled writings. The job reference was completely fake, a position at the company that never existed, signed by someone who never existed. He tracked down the lawyer whose name she'd written down, but he didn't know who she was either. Velling ran Lori's photos through every facial recognition database he knew, but got no hits. He sent her fingerprints to the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, but they didn't match anyone in their system. What the heck? He compared her DNA to the genetic material in government databases and Ancestry.com, but got no match. As a last resort, she she is a ghost. (laughs) You cracked it, Courtney. She's a ghost. As a last resort, Valing called a reporter at the Seattle Times in 2013 she re- later reflected on her experience in 2016, saying, quote, We were pretty convinced that someone would come forward saying they knew her, that crowdsourcing would provide an answer. The article and her picture appeared in many newspapers around the nation and even around the world, but not a single person contacted me mm-hmm. or the investigator to say they knew her. Online sleuths were captivated by the case. It was the subject of countless forum discussions and blog posts, heavily paraphrasing the piece in the Seattle Times. And while many online sleuths took a crack at the case by looking through missing persons records, it would only be solved through forensic genealogy three years after the Seattle Times published their article about Lori. Certified badass Dr. Colleen Fitzpatrick was a nuclear physicist for 25 years before she became a genetic genealogist. Yes, she. Yes, of course. Of course she was. Of course she was. These badass people, man. You know I'm sure we've talked about. Genetic genealogist. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm sure we've talked about our darling Dr. Colleen Fitzpatrick before. Love him. She holds a PhD in nuclear physics from Duke University and founded a laser and optics company called Rice Systems in her garage in 1986. What? How right? is it possible that some of us get to be born and like... I don't know. I have podcasts. Right? She's like, honey, she's cute. Yeah. You're I'm cute. a halfway decent mom. <laughs> I did a good job. She's like, I can... Uh, Fix brains through eyeballs. Like, get the fuck out. Like, <laughs> no, I make Steve Jobs look like a yeah. <laughs> elementary Ch- school child. <laughs> <laughs> she told the Seattle Times, quote, people used to ask what I did for a living. I'd say I shine light on things. And if that wasn't praiseworthy enough, she was a pioneer in the development of forensic genetic genealogy, pursuing it on the side as a hobby. Yep, yep, yep. She's, She's like, like, you well, know, what? I didn't do enough. I haven't done enough yet in my life. What else could I do? I, I do brain surgery on uh, wayward possums, and then I also <laughs> just fix crimes. All of them. Oh, I'm so glad somebody's looking out for those poor possums. You know what I mean, though. Yeah, I, I love possums so much. So. If I had if I had possum skills and brain skills, I would mm-hmm. be just Helping like oh, I think you might need a little brain surgery. <laughs> possum. I don't know why she's texting too, but everyone's texting Everybody the story. Yeah, I'm just give this little possum a little brain surgery. Mm-hmm. Good as new. I'm gonna go back to solving crimes. <laughs> 
In 2002, she began writing a book called, quote, Forensic Genealogy that explained methodologies she had developed. After no publishers would accept it, she self-published the book in 2005. Yes, that a girl. Over the years, she has helped Holocaust survivors search for family members, identified a child who died on the Titanic, and solved numerous homicides. Yes, she has. Yes. In fact, she co-founded the DNA Doe Project and was the first to use forensic genetic genealogy to solve a cold case. <sighs> Let's just all take one more second to appreciate this woman. And uh, shame ourselves for not being her. <laughs> right. When Dr. Fitzpatrick came across the article about Lori, she immediately thought about using DNA to solve the case. Since Lori and Blake had a daughter in 2008, their daughter's DNA could be used to identify Lori's relatives. Yes, 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 yes. Dr. Fitzpatrick ultimately acquired a DNA sample from their daughter after the family submitted it to Ancestry.com and 23andMe. She subtracted Blake's DNA profile from it, leaving what was essentially Lori's DNA. She used the sample to identify people whose DNA matched up with Lori's, but only one person was helpful, a man named Michael Cassidy. He appeared to be Lori's first cousin. But all Dr. Fitzpatrick had was a name with no additional details. That's also Michael Cassidy. It's like, yeah. you know, how many of those do you have? She had no idea where he lived, who else he was related to, or how to contact him. And it stayed like this for years. Oh, what? Really? You just have him and then you just can't even find him? Mm-hmm. Dr. Fitzpatrick periodically checked back in with the DNA databases. She guessed that she'd spend hundreds of hours working on it. Then, in 2016, she found the name of a third cousin. She used it to create a family tree, tracing the third cousin's family back to an Irish great-great-grandfather. As she started going down the branches of the family tree, she came across Michael Cassidy's name once Mm -hmm. again. With all the information in front of her, Dr. Fitzpatrick now knew that she was looking at Lori's extended family. Yes. She was able to identify the right Michael Cassidy from the family tree and found that he lived in Philadelphia. She called Belling and he was convinced she was right. Yeah, get him. Get Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah. In March of 2016, Belling flew out to Philadelphia Instead of contacting Michael Cassidy, he decided to try reaching another member of the Cassidy family. He arrived on her doorstep and tried explaining the story, but it was too convoluted. Can you imagine? No. Uh-uh. Okay, so listen. Hello. Hi. You don't know me, but I have this person that you do not know. I also don't know them. Nobody knows them. So just nobody that's involved in this knows them. And No. But Becky we're all obsessed. I... Just to put a couple credentials out there, I'm a brain surgeon. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even think this wasn't Dr. Fitzpatrick. This was the initial like, yeah. PI. I work with a brain surgeon. She's very busy. She cannot be there. She had a whole line of possums she had to attend to. I work for the Social Security Administration. You can trust me. It is fine. (laughs) So finally, he placed the photos of Lori on the table before her and it all clicked into place. She was quiet for a while and then said, quote, my God, that's Kimberly. Mm. Chills. I have chills. Mm -hmm. Lori Erica Ruff was born Kimberly Maria McLean. She was born on October 16th, 1968. 
Her parents were named Deanne and James. It was later confirmed by a DNA test. Kimberly grew up in the Philadelphia suburbs with her mom, dad, and sister. Deanne was a stay-at-home mom, and James was a carpenter and a volunteer firefighter. Kimberly's uncle told the Seattle Times of her picturesque childhood. With a hand-built playhouse in the backyard, family vacations, and family dinners every night. But when Kimberly got older, her parents divorced and her mom remarried. When Kimberly was in high school, the family moved away and Kimberly attended a new high school. Kimberly's uncle says this is when things started to go south. He suspects that she never adjusted to the new rules, a new school, and the divorce. It all reached ahead in 1986 when Kimberly was 18 and told her mom she was leaving for good. The family never heard from her again. They tried to find her over the years, but it was impossible since she had changed her name twice. Why though? Why? It doesn't make any sense. They never understood why this all happened. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Like, what do, what do we not know? What happened? Mob stuff. Mob stuff. Mm-hmm. Mob. <laughs> Between 1986 and 1988, Kimberly spent some time in Idaho, California, and Nevada before moving to Texas. But it's unclear exactly what she did during that time. But after she assumed Becky Sue Turner's identity in 1988, it's easy to track. And it's fairly unremarkable. She got her GED, graduated from a university, married Blake Ruff, and had a baby. She was never connected to any crimes, cults, or government intelligence. In fact, the only crime she's ever been tied to is the stolen identity of Becky Sue Turner. She was just a teenage runaway. What? No. There is much we'll never know about this case. We'll never know how Kimberly learned about Becky Sue Turner's death. We'll never know what her lockbox note 402 months meant. We'll never know exactly why she left home and never wanted to contact her family again. Belling hopes the speculation will be put to bed now that we have answers. But for internet sleuths captivated by this case, the real story of Lori Ruff is harder to understand than any of the speculation. Yeah, wait, I, strike three, Deli. I'm going to need you to wrap it up with a nice little bow for me, ma'am. Like, what? No, I was reading through this the first time. I was on the edge of my seat, as I expect most of you are. And I was like, holy shit, this is so interesting. And then we get to the end and I'm like. <laughs> That's, we just don't know. We just don't know. I will finish up the story and then we will talk about it. We don't know. We just don't know. Hey, you guys, this week's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices, and the path forward isn't always clear. Mm, do you remember that time I had a baby, Courtney? Yeah. And then I got really depressed. Yes. And then we started a life. podcast, and everything was fine after that. <laughs> <laughs> sure helped. But you know what helped even more? Therapy. Therapy. Oh, my gosh. Without therapy... I really don't know what I would have done, honestly. No, I mean, your therapist completely changed both of our lives and mm-hmm. it, no, legitimately the craziest and most revelatory experience of my life is your therapy. Yes, same thing. I honestly cannot say it enough. Therapy saved my life, changed my life, all for the best. All for the best. So whether you're dealing with decisions around career relationships or anything else, like having a baby and having your world explode into a million pieces, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. 
Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. Sadie and I know how to set boundaries. We know how to identify mm-hmm. our feelings. We know yep. recently I'm, we learned uh, that Sadie's codependent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ever. No, I am too. <laughs> well, family structure. Uh, what makes you you? How to feel your feelings. Like really feel them for real. Yep. All of it. When it's okay to make other therapy. people uncomfortable, how you need to take better care of yourself, that you deserve to take better care of yourself. The mm-hmm. list is freaking endless, you guys. Yes. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash they will today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash they will. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash they will. Quote, most of us, we get lonesome and homesick the first time we go to college, Velling said. You wait for that first phone call to talk to mom and dad. And yet at 18, she's out there on her own. We can't fathom someone walking away with an intact family and never reconnecting. Kimberly's uncle echoed this point, saying nobody was there at her college graduation, her wedding, or at her child's birth. When her birthday came around every year, she couldn't celebrate it. Quote, can you imagine the burden of all that fakeness? How it all added up? He asked. The roughs don't have to imagine. They watched it add up over the years until it all became too much. The two families have connected and they both find comfort in knowing that she had a family who loved her. Ooh, I just got chills. Me too. What the fuck? Kimberly's daughter has a new family who loves her too, with a new set of grandparents on the East Coast and a whole new batch of cousins. Oh, thank God. Oh, man. Good for them for finding it for their little daughter. No, And that, y'all, is the life and death of Lori Erica Ruff. Tell me what happened. Somebody. Uh, was she mentally ill? She it yes. had, it had to have been a mental break, right? I would assume so. It had but, to have been. Considering her end and considering her actions leading up to her end, it just had to have been some sort of mental break, I would assume. Yeah, or mental. Like twice, like a, you know? Yes. Yeah. I think that to be able to dis- disconnect at 18 either is, and this is obviously all speculation. From yeah. now on, you guys, this is just Courtney and I. Chatting up with chatting no up. information no, whatsoever. Yes. yes. So please just keep that in mind. It's hard to imagine somebody, unless there's been deep trauma. Yes. That no one knew about or didn't want to admit to. Right. Or underlying mental health issues that yes. people weren't aware of. It sounds like she had a really hard time making connections. Yeah. So maybe there's a personality disorder of some sort mm-hmm. or she just was, for whatever reason, like, eh, okay, done with yeah. my family. Thank you for getting me to 18. Goodbye. Yeah. And then at some point decided she wanted a child and then yeah. couldn't handle what that meant for her mental health and possibly yeah. postpartum depression. Yeah. Like, was she schizophrenic and maybe medicated for it, but then was not super consistent with her meds and had a break, changed her name twice to escape whatever it is she thinks she needs to escape, got stable, mm-hmm. managed to pull it together enough to get a relationship, have a baby, maybe the postpartum triggered it, or she stopped mm-hmm. taking her meds because she's tired and postpartum and et cetera. And because mm-hmm. he's 
knew there was something wrong with her. Maybe she said, oh, it's just because I get spells or something. And <laughs> right. her spells are actual schizophrenia. Well, they didn't. He and uh, Lori and Blake didn't date for very long before they got married. And it right. seems like he never pushed ever. Yeah. There was a lot in the story that I related to. My partner is very private. He always has been. And it's not like I don't know his life story, or but yeah. I just don't push real hard. It's hard when people don't want to talk about yes. de- details in their past. Uh, I don't push real hard. It's not yeah. that I'm not curious, but it's also I respect boundaries. And, yep. you know, like you could, you share with me what you want and I'm here for you and I love you. Yeah. And that's sort of what I get. Like he, he accepted her and he was like, OK, so you had a sad childhood. You don't have a family. That sucks. You've got either Tourette's or ADHD or something. Right. That's fine. I still love you. Totally. And He's especially not close back to then when nobody's talking about any kind of mental illness or like any kind of neurodivergence or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, even like OCD, these things are just so stigmatized. Still totally. are, but definitely back then and definitely, definitely in the South. You're definitely not prying in and trying to find out. It's like, no. oh, she's just got women's issues or what, you know, like just <laughs> right, whatever. Exactly. Vapors. Yeah. She just takes those for her vapors. Like, what exactly right. is a vapor? I don't know. Who <laughs> knows? Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody wants to know. No, yeah. I'd really, I prefer not to know. Just, it's a lady's business. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm 100% on the same page. Either deep trauma or got, she had a little, ex, where was she from? Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. I think about all the pressure that are on us, pressures that are on us modern day when we have way more support in talking about the things that we're experiencing. Right. I cannot imagine the pressure of being anybody at that time dealing with things that felt far out of their control and how little it would take for somebody to just go off any version of the deep end. When you say, you know, what what could have happened to this person? My question is, what couldn't have happened to mm-hmm. this person? It's remarkable that everyone didn't just fucking snap, change yep. their name, run away five times, have nine psychotic breaks and, totally. and take their own life at the end of it all because it's just too much. So, yeah, totally. When I think about my early 20s and when you don't really know what a real problem is, at least in my experience, because yeah. I've lived a privileged and semi-sheltered life, uh, getting out on my own and making mistakes and Mm -hmm. having bad anxiety and not knowing, but like having those thoughts of feeling like there was an insurmountable problem that I could have just probably called my parents and they would have been like, oh yeah, we can give you money or what, you know, but it felt so big and I wasn't suicidal. Uh, but I did have thoughts like maybe I should just run away or like escape. There was always that want to escape um, totally. the problem rather than face it. Lori figured out how to do that for whatever reason. Yep. She was like, okay, I'm smart. I'll, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. I'm done. Yeah. You'll never be the wiser until yeah. a bunch of random people on the internet get attached to my case and figure it out. Yeah. Even then you won't know because it's my business, not yours. So right. goodbye, everybody. You never get to know. And you know what? Ultimately, good for you because none of us should be poking around in anybody's business in the sense that we are. So I appreciate you maintaining a good old solid mystery, Lori. Yeah. I mean, the only person I really feel sad for the unanswered questions is her daughter. Agreed. And thank God people Mm -hmm. figured it out so that she could have a family should she choose to. Yes. And maybe she won't want the family, but at least it's her choice. So that is good. Exactly. And has, will be able to know her family health history. And, you know, there's so much good that comes from having that question answered. But absolutely. um, I do 
feel for her to live with the unknown of what her mom, who she was and why she made the choices she did. She clearly didn't want people to know. She did everything she could to avoid that. I hope that her circumstances were that she was making the best choice for herself, whatever the situation was. I hope that for her, that she had to escape something or wanted to escape something and did. Yep. And pulled it off. Yeah. And nobody gets to know but her. And good for you. Hopefully it wasn't just horrible circumstances or treatable mental illness that Mm -hmm. she could have had a more full life. But really, in the end, that's her business. Well, I'm mad at you, Deli, but it's also a really good story. That's a really really good story. story. Yeah. When you get a random email from somebody who's like, ah, here we go. And then they send you a story and it's really good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I cannot tell you how exciting that is. (laughs) So thank you, Deli. We are so excited. I wish we knew more, but I appreciate having the opportunity to, to tell a little bit of Lori Ruff's story. Me too. And I do love the, I love fantasizing about her just being like, and I'm done with that identity. And you know what? I'm done with that identity. And I'm just mm-hmm. going to go find a Texas husband, see how it all plays out. It didn't go well, but <laughs> okay. yes. it was my choice. And <laughs> I tried. Okay, yeah. that, that's enough. I'm done now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So rest in peace, Lori. No, seriously. Go. All right. Do we have name time today? We do. We have name time, and it is uh, starting with George Papa John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry. That sounds good. Oh, Laura doesn't like Papa John's. I don't really either, but sometimes no. nothing's going to scratch an itch like Papa John's cheese pizza only. I've tried their other pizza, veg pizza. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Just give me that sugary cheese pizza with the garlic dipping sauce. Or yeah. give me nothing. Or give me death. So said Paul Revere. <laughs> Charles Hartwell Bone Steel the Third. Sorry, what? He also just happened to be the individual who chose the 38th parallel to divide Korea. So Bone Steel oh. went on in there and was like. This is where we're, this is it right here. Yeah. He said he also kind of chose without much thought, by the way. Yeah, it sounds Yeah, because like he's a bone steel. <laughs> yeah, bone steels care. don't think. Bone steels act. No, he does what he wants. Yeah, bone steels like, hi-ya, and karate chopped the 38th parallel. <laughs> and they're like, I guess bone steel wants us to divide it there. Good <laughs> Lord, bone steel. Charles Hartwell, bone steel the third. Mm-mm. He's not only no, a bone I, steel, but he's a, in a that third. long line of bone steels. So he definitely mm-hmm. just karate chops <laughs> countries in half where he wants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the people in the country are like, this is not your country. And he's like, but I'm a bone steel. Like, oh, God, we got to get got to do something about bone steel. <laughs> do we know that there's a town in Idaho called Dick Shooter? That's the exact <laughs> sentence I got from the listener. No, we did not. No, we did not. I love Idaho. And I would love to live in Dick Shooter, Idaho. Damn it. So much. There's a Virginville, Pennsylvania. There's also a Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, located in the middle of the state near no lakes or bodies of water. Of course. I mean, I live in Michigan City, Indiana, which Mm -hmm. is funny. That's funny. They're like, well, it's close to Michigan. So what should we call it? How about Michigan City? City. What? <laughs> Why? Because it's the, it's the closest city to Michigan. So mm-hmm. we'll name it. Okay, guys. Good job. Mm-hmm. My five-year-old likes to call it Michigan Shitty. 
It's still, it's a, it is a, it is a thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's funny that your five-year-old figured that out, but because it's what people call, I do not, I would fight someone other than your five-year-old because I love Michigan shitty, (laughs) but I get it. Yeah. (laughs) He also, I was having him do some voiceover for my movie, my little scary movie Mm. that I'm almost done with. And I was feeding him all these lines and making him sound scared. He nailed it. He absolutely yeah, is the really star did. of the whole movie. Uh, I was having him say things like, Dark Mommy is back. We thought she was gone, but she's back. And he, he nailed it. He was doing so good. But then, he, you know, he's five. By the end of it, he's like, okay, can I be done now? <laughs> <laughs> We're walking out of my little studio where I'm recording right now. And he said, Dark Mommy is back. We thought she was poop, but she's piss. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, kid? I'm going to consider that as uh, for future scripts. You know what they say, never stop recording even when you're done. You missed the opportunity of a lifetime for your movie. Guys, hear me out. Okay. We thought she was gone, but she's back. That's good. But how about we thought she was poop, that she's piss? So we thought this was going to be a scary movie, but how about we do a quick <laughs> zinger at the end and it's actually a comedy. <laughs> I, this is also how I know that my collaborators are not reading my emails because I sent the recording and I was like, hey, just so, and I just, you know, I, I posed it without any cry face emojis or anything. I just said, uh, and a quick suggestion for us to consider for future rounds, Dark Mommy's back. We thought she was poop and she's pissed. Not <laughs> a peep from anybody. Really? Yes. You really sent that and they did not respond. Nope. Oh, dead to me. I know. <laughs> and also there's like seven of us on the thread. So I think that nobody really knows who's the person that's supposed to respond to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> or what you're talking like, about. Is it, I, do you want to, like, is Courtney is she serious? serious? <laughs> is she serious? She understands it's really weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something a five-year-old would say. <laughs> Yeah, no one's brought up. No one's brought up that pickup line Damn that it. we still need to record. I should bring it up in a call. Yeah, I think everything's looking good, but uh, no one's addressed the pickup that I suggested last month. Uh, Dark mommy's back. We thought she's poop, but she's pissed. So we're gonna need to get that before it goes into the final sound mix. <laughs> Maybe I'll just send another email. It's completely serious. Oh God, can you BCC me on that email? Yeah. <laughs> Just circling back here. <laughs> I'm going to pee my pants. Speaking of piss, I'm going to pee my pants I know right I now. I am too. Okay. Um, oh, Ron DeSantis had his first date with his wife at Beef O'Brady's. No, we I don't know of if, beef, if Beef O'Brady's is a chain, a regional chain. I've spent a fair amount of time in Florida. I feel like I would have run into a Beef O'Brady's if it was a chain, but Beef O'Brady's. Hey, Gross. uh... Hey, Ron, where are you going to take me on a hot date tonight? Let's pick a beef over. Oh, God. I just recently saw a video of him. Uh, I guess if you're not a patron, this won't make sense. You got to go be, join. Oh, my God. Uh, but I saw him with his like pleated khaki pants. And I was like, oh, my God. It's so gross. <sighs> we had a real, we had a real Dad DeSantis gym. tirade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it started because he's my age. He's 44 years old. Yeah. That is mind blowing. It's so strange. But also, I learned. In the same article where I learned he had his first date with his wife at Beef O'Brady's. <laughs> <laughs> he got married at Disney World. Did you know he got married no. at Disney World? Yep. 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 Take yep. it back. 
take it. Yeah, you're not, no, you don't, don't belong keep there. Keep attacking Disney. Keep tanking your ratings, Bubba. I love it. Um, oh, someone said when they were a teenager, their crush was Corey Hart. I always said at the time, I will name my child Corey. Flash forward to 1991. I have a child. I name him Corey. I did not realize his last name would be Hartman. She said, I also gave him the name, nickname Punky Doodles. We found out that there was a town in Canada named Punky Doodles. No. Uh, Get me there. I, if so my name, cute. if my last name was Bone Steel, I would live in Punky Doodles, Canada. <laughs> oh, 100%. Somebody sent us an article that sex workers are tolerated on Cock Lane in London. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I mean, we can't not on Cock right. Lane, no, right? I that mean, just doesn't make any logical sense. And uh, someone was reading an article, and one of the author's name was Nicholas Tugood. If I was going to rename each and every one of you, I would last name you either Bone Steel or Tugood. So much. Based on nothing other than your vibe. (laughs) You got a good one. You got a good vibe. Yeah. I mean, everyone have a good vibe, so everyone would get either one of the names, but... I'd let you decide what it meant if you were a bone steel or a too good. Kind of like a Hufflepuff or a Snickendoodle <laughs> Slytherin. Or a bone saw. Bone what was steel. It? Bone, bone steel. steel. <laughs> <laughs> How quickly I forget. I'd be so mm. bummed if I got a too good instead of a bone steel. So, just note so to self. Bad. Note to self. Don't assign yourself a too good. You want to be a bone steel. Always. Yes. Yeah. I mean, some people want to be a Duke too good, but I personally want to be a bone steel. Yeah. I've been reading Harry Potter to the nine-year-old who just turned nine yesterday. Happy birthday, buddy. Happy birthday, kiddo. Uh, and he actively stresses about which house he'd get picked for. <laughs> oh, I do too. I'm not, a, yes. I mean, I'm not a huge Harry Potter stan and I, I'm, yes. Yes. Yeah. He's like, mom, but what happened? Okay. So first of all, bud, so you're not, you're not, this isn't real, but I mean, Gryffindor, right? We all want to be Gryffindor, maybe Slytherin, Raven, not Hufflepuff. Yeah. But you know, what's the other one? Ravenclaw. Raven. Oh yeah. Maybe Raven. I don't know. I mean, they're all, they all have their benefits and that's what I tell them. Everybody's important. And he's like, take it back. I want to be Ravenclaw. Rolls his eyes at me so hard because he's, he knows I'm lying. Oh, Which one man. does he identify the most with? Gryffindor. Gryffindor, right. Yeah, he's a nine-year-old boy, so, yeah. I'm going to go Ravenclaw. What is yours? Slytherin all the way. I I would be 100% be a Hufflepuff. Don't even, no, come on. I mean, have you met me? Hufflepuff. Yeah, I know. I know. But you're a Hufflepuff with like a secret Slytherin. Yeah, that's true. You're too good, but you're that's actually true. a bone steel. That's true. I just don't want people to know my secret. Sunshine Hufflepuff, rising <laughs> sign Slytherin. Mm, you so know what true. I mean? Yeah. Sunshine bone steel, rising <laughs> sign. No, sunshine too good, rising sign bone steel. Oh my! And I'm God. the opposite. I'm rising sign bone steel. <laughs> or God, God, sunshine bone steel, rising sign too good. Damn it! Damn it! Oh, man. Moonshine well, Hufflepuff. <laughs> I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here today. We have. We have. I feel like I should do two shouty outies. Um, Let's do it. I got some good names. And we're almost to February. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody wrote us recently. Was like, I signed up in April. Did you skip me? No. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. Baby cakes. No. Uh-uh. No. Soon. We are, like six six months we'll get to you. Yeah. We'll You're just there. cruising through them. I, I cannot say this enough. It is, for me, quality over quantity. And I apologize. Yes. That means a lot of waiting. And I understand. But... 
I would, I'm just always going to be honest about how I feel and how many of them I have in me because I yeah. don't want to push through it and not do a totally. good job because you deserve the best of the worst, which is my shouty outies. Mm-hmm. You really do. And if you would like a shouty outie that I'm, I'm about to, um, what's the word? Uh, audition perform. for you. Perform. <laughs> yes. <laughs> If you would like one for your own self in four to six months, you can sign up for our Patreon <laughs> for as little as $5 a month. And you also get a whole other catalog of a, over 150 episodes. So, so many. Yeah. I know that it's painful to wait four to six months to get your shouty outy, But in the meantime, you can distract yourself with 150 plus whole <laughs> episodes. Most of them are equal length as these episodes. Mm-hmm. And the banter is weird so if you're a weirdo <laughs> you definitely want to get over there hurry shit is hurry awkward get, yes we get real real over there yeah last week i was like editing it it's like dear god i don't even think this makes sense <laughs> no never does all right well thank you so so much to justine justine justin justine is the best justin justine Rises above the rest. Just in. Justine is kind like a ninja. She's also definitely bone steel. <laughs> Sunshine, bows and steel. Justine can karate chop your heart and your country in half. Hi, yeah. Justin. Justine is the beginning and the end. She's the middle and she. Will never bend to your will because she's the most badass <laughs> of them all. <laughs> Thank you, Justine. <laughs> Thank you, Justine. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you do three. There's two really good names coming up. Fine. Okay. Thank you so much to Inala. Oh, get are you fucking serious? I know, from Inala? Australia, of course. Uh, we're gonna need to we're gonna need to block australia because i just love you so much it makes my heart die i I, like anala like really i know are you from the lion king because you should be because it's beautiful yes and you know what that makes me think of immediately when you're on a raft and okay my favorite the the moment i'm the happiest in the world is when you're get a raft you fashion an anchor Mm -hmm. and i'm talking like a blow-up raft not like Mm -hmm. a you know, white water. Yeah. Or a castaway, you know, like Uh not a big wooden one. One of those ones that has the thing where your legs can, um, like your butt can go into the water and your legs. Inner tube. (laughs) Well, but they have the ones that are like chairs, you know, with the cup holder, right? So I've got a cup holder, it's a chair, but it's got a little rip for your legs. Uh So uh you're cradled and you're anchored because Uh you're smart. And so you've anchored yourself. You're not floating away. You don't have to with your hands to keep yourself Mm -hmm. in place, to talk to your friends or just chill. And you're just out there and it's a perfect day and the water's a perfect temperature. We're talking late August, 70 plus degrees in that water. And you're just chilling and you're like, all is right. I am a rich person with like this experience. This experience makes me feel so grateful. And the feeling of the way your body goes over the water, that's an Anala. Yes. You know? So true. Yes. It's like that perfect, Anala is a perfect moment. It is the feeling of the perfect moment. It's the motion, the rhythm 
of every perfect moment you ever had. When you're sitting with your best friends at brunch, you've got the perfect buzz. You're not too drunk. You're not tired. You're not slurry. You're just like, all is right in the world. You're laughing so hard. You're like, I cannot believe these are my friends. I cannot believe that I found these people. Mm -hmm. And this chili killies was so yummy. And this, everything's just hitting just right. And Anala. When you're on the first date and you're like, shit, this is a good one. And I think this is maybe like the one. Anala. <laughs> when you get your coffee, when you put the pot into the Nespresso, if you have an Nespresso, you know exactly that. Mm-hmm. That like heavy, the resistance and then the crack mm-hmm. into the Nespresso pod. <laughs> Anala. Congratulations, Anala. I mean, you, are, you win. Yep. And thank you for giving us so much that we all get to have minimum five, hopefully thousands of perfect Anala's in our life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Anala. <laughs> and last, but certainly not least. Certainly not. Thank you so much to Crawley G. I'm going to throw my phone at your face. Crawley G. Yep. Crawley. This is the tale of Crawley G. Crawley G, come back to me. But Crawley G says I cannot be tethered. Crawley G has got to be Crawley G on the open sea. And Crawley G cannot be called back to shore. Crawley G's got two Anala on the seas in perfect <laughs> harmony forever. And the legend of Crawley G will come through the people in the oral tradition of telling about the greatest <laughs> of us all. Crawley G on the seas and Anala ing on the open water. And all the loves of Crawley G weep in harmony for their return to the shore, <laughs> but it will never be. <laughs> How many times can I rhyme be in harmony in Crawley G? I mean, as Eleven. many times as you Eleven. want. Eleven. Yeah, just keep going. Just keep doing it. Uh, we cannot thank you enough. We cannot thank you enough. We really cannot thank you enough for real. Um, yeah. And if you. Can't get enough of this. <laughs> you can spend more time with us at Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at They Will Kill. You can go to our website, theywillkill.com, and you can always email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about us. Yes, please, please. And thank you, AJ Perkins, for free music. It goes like this, but it doesn't really do that. Not do, 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 even do, close, do, do, do. but I like <laughs> it anyway. Enough. And remember. Mm, pretty much nothing we know is true. So Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know, that's comforting to me. It's infuriating, but it's also comforting. So stay fucking curious, y'all. Stay curious. Stay curious. Curiosity, I think, is the most valuable commodity on this planet i feel so confidently about that i'm just going to state it like it's a fact yes (laughs) like i like to do no stay curious don't do it don't Don't. shut your doors Mm -mm. i mean set your boundaries but don't shut your doors stay curious stay open say yes when it's appropriate and not harmful but stay curious find information dig it out seek it out ask questions 
Do Learn it. about yourself. Mush it around in there. Get it all mushy. You know? I do. I do. Do not harden yourself to, to the world. It's Don't bad for it. the world and it's really bad for yourself. It's really bad for the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you so we love much. You beef. We love you, Beefo Brady's. We love you, Bone Steels. We love you, Two Goods. <laughs> What's our other house? We got Beefo Brady's, Bone Steels, Two Goods, and... Um, uh, uh, dick shooters. <laughs> dick shooters. Dick shooter road. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.